Did you know that the dominant problem facing young black males today is fatherlessness? Hello, Action Taker. Welcome to Live Blissed Out, a podcast where I have inspirational and informational conversations with business owners and subject matter experts to help you get the scoop on a variety of topics. Tired of hesitating or making decisions without having the big picture? Want to be in the know? Then this is the place to go. I'm your host, Marissa Houston, helping you achieve bliss through awareness and action. So let's get to it. In this episode, Rick Sykes talks about his journey to shape his sons into productive men and citizens. The goal of Rick's book, Five Smooth Stones, is to be transparent by providing real-life stories, situations, struggles, and the everyday challenges that black males face. After many years of parenting, he has adopted and applied seven principles that will enable young fathers to navigate fatherhood. These seven principles can be summed up in the acronym THREADS. Transparency, honor, responsibility, example, affirmation, decision, and serving. Although a large portion of this book is written from Rick's Christian values and viewpoints, he is confident that this book can help anyone regardless of race, religion, creed, color, or status. In addition, this book is not about perfect parenting, but progressive parenting. He hopes you will find this information to be a blessing to you and your family. To learn more, visit ZulonPress.com. That's X-U-L-O-N-P-R-E-S-S dot com. If you'd like to support this podcast and engage with our community, become a professional tier member for backstage access and monthly networking opportunities at ko-fi.com forward slash live blissed out. The information, opinions, and recommendations presented in this podcast are for general information only, and any reliance on the information provided in this podcast is done at your own risk. This podcast should not be considered professional advice. Rick, welcome back to the show. Thank you. It's good to be welcome back and uh, good connecting with you again on this wonderful day. I'm glad to have you back because this is going to be a completely different conversation from the one we had. And I think that it's an important conversation to have because it's a book that you wrote. I think there's no one better to describe what it's about than you. My book is entitled Five Smooth Stones. A few years ago, I was attending an event. In this event, I actually won a book deal. My name was pulled and never thought about writing a book. So I'm sitting at the dinner table and they called the number of the, uh, of the tag that I had and said, the first winner is going to win a book deal. So while I'm sitting at the table eating, they called my number. And I think I had a potato in my mouth. and almost choked <laughs> up a potato. So I kind of fell into a situation where I had won this opportunity to write a book. It was taken care of financially. And so back in 2016, I was so excited about a book. I had so much in me. I thought about something that would be impactful, something that would be relevant, not just for me, but also to the reader. So I came up with an idea to write about my family. More specifically, my wife and I have been married for 34 years. We have six children, five boys and one girl. And my daughter is in the middle. And so I got her permission to write a book about me raising boys uh, because it was doing the height of a lot of things that were going on in the United States with police shootings and things of that nature. So I thought it would be good for me to write a book as it relates to fathers in the home because I grew up without my father. So the five smooth stones actually is a biblical term from David, five smooth stone to kill Goliath. And I had wrote it in 2016, but then during the pandemic, I re-edited it and called it five smooth stone, the rebirth. And I kind of added an addition to it. And so the book really centers around my personal life growing up in Detroit, Michigan during the 80s, things that I was into that were illegal, things that I was doing with people in the community, et cetera. And then it moves into 
my life being changed as a Christian and I'd be growing up, you know, in a single parent home. I dedicated a portion of the, a couple of chapters to my mom because she protected us from a lot of things. And then I moved right into me meeting my wife and then us having children. Then it kind of phased to that and segues into me raising five boys. Now that's no small feat. Raising six children, five boys and a girl, that responsibility is huge for people. Whether you're raising one child, much less six. In the book, you talk about the fact that the dominant problem that you feel that is facing young Black men in particular is fatherlessness. And so I'd like to ask you why you think that is happening and what can be done about it. Well, I think that that's a major, major problem. We can get into a lot of political debates, what side, who's doing more for who in terms of Republican and Democrats. But the bottom line is, is that if you look at various studies, if you look at comments that even former President Barack Obama made, even when it comes down to Tupac Shakur, who was a famous urban rapper, of course, he's deceased, but he talked about him not having a father in his life. If he had a father, he would have been more well-balanced, further ahead. Barack Obama talked about fatherless children. The reality is, this is not a political issue. It's a real issue. And I think the core fabric of society, whether city, state, national, and global, it boils down to the home. You know, there are a lot of things that we can talk about as to why fathers are not at home. We can go back to welfare reform. We can go back to a lot of different things. But I think that at the end of the day, when you look at various studies across the board, it talks about the benefits of having a father in a home. The reality is everything starts from the home. You know, you can't build a country without having a strong family. So fathers are missing across the board. Now, children don't get a choice. You don't get to choose who your father is. You don't get to choose the environment you're born into. I think that we could use the word father as essentially a role model of some sort, because if they don't have a father in the home, then they need to have some sort of individual that they can look up to that can guide them, hopefully, in the right direction. Yes. And that's why when you read the book, the third and fourth chapter really talks about my life growing up in a single parent home in the city of Detroit during the 80s when the crack epidemic was at its highest level in every urban community city across the country. So I grew up in a time where crack was the dominant conversation, a gang, violence, et cetera. And I grew up in a single parent home. So my father wasn't around and you know he was in and out of penitentiary. A lot of people that I hung around, our fathers wasn't there, you know. So I understand that. I feel that. I have compassion and sympathy towards individuals that find themselves in situations like myself. This is why it's very important that when you talk about fatherhood, guardianship, you got to talk about mentorship. You got to talk about other things that organizations that will be pinnacles in people's lives that don't have fathers such as myself. And I was very fortunate, me getting involved in the church. That is what really turned my life around. I can honestly say it was the black church, small storefront church with a mega church that really, really, really turned my life around. Dropped out of high school when I was 14. And it was because of those men that were dedicated to their families, dedicated to the community, dedicated to the churches that I now had some type of reference point and connection and, and conversation with men that I saw as fathers. So the church essentially is the place that exposed you to people that could set you back on track in your life. Yes. And in response to that, that is where a lot is missing because when I was growing up, we always went to church. And the Black church has a history of building families. You look at historical Black colleges, they were started by churches. So the church always played a role in the lives of people, of communities. And I think that we have gotten away from that. 
for whatever reason. But yes, the church played a major influence because I had left the church. I was doing my own thing, but it played a major role. Even while I was going to church, I still felt empty because these men, you know, they didn't go home with me at night or whatever. They were at church. And so the only time I saw them was at a church or a picnic or an event that was happening. But in my home, it was just me and my brothers and a single parent. So we still had to learn how to navigate life and situations and things of that nature. Are you searching for a trusted merchant service provider for your business? SG Associates LLC is your partner for quality payment and merchant service solutions. With over 15 years of experience in credit card processing, SG Associates offers merchants the best pricing, products, and customer service available from a payment and solution service provider. Their number one goal is to save their merchants as much as possible on their credit card processing fees. To learn how they can help you, call one 800 455-5211 or visit sg-associatesllc.com. And the thing I love about your book is that you focus on seven principles with an acronym. And as I was looking at these principles, I realized that these are principles that apply to life in general, like not just for men, but for everyone to consider and apply to be better people in the world, to be able to be a better individual, as well as somebody who can contribute to the community. I'm curious as to how you came up with these seven principles. Well, I am a pastor. So uh, the first one I would like to say, I didn't want the book to be too preachy. I think that a lot of times you really have to come from the help, even though I'm a Christian and everything I base my life on is this Christian values and viewpoints. This book is for everybody. I came up with these acronyms through my life journey of raising boys and raising my family. And so I just picked some words out and thought about some words and just became creative. So I came up with an acronym called Threads. That's how I came up with it. And so I just kind of broke those words down, looked up the words, and centered the book around five smooth tones in terms of what it took for me to continue to raise my five boys. Threads, uh, briefly, uh, we started with transparency. I think that raising children, you have to be honest and transparent and real with them. The world, as you know, is different than what it was when I was coming up. We got to be transparent about racism, sexism, political, whatever. And we have to have real conversations with our children about sex and money and things of that nature. And in that transparency, they have to see empathy. They got to see that I made mistakes and things of that nature and how I overcame situations. So it has everything to do with being real, authentic with your children in your life, in your wording, how you say it, how you approach things. For example, when we talk about police brutality and all the other stuff, I was very transparent with my sons and my daughter as well, just letting them know these are real issues. These are real things that, guess what, you're going to get stopped by police and you don't even know the reason why you're getting stopped. But at the end of the day, you still have a responsibility to carry yourself in a way where things won't escalate. So transparency means having real, authentic, passionate conversation. Then we move into honor respecting reverence. I think that the first reference point of honor that a child has for society, for police officers, for teachers, starts in the home. So honor has to do with respecting authority, respecting viewpoints, respecting each other, respecting yourself. So I really, really hit on that. And what does that mean? What does respect look like? We talk about respect all the time. You know, the Bible says, do unto others as you would have them to do unto you. So I teach my kids even about just honoring teachers and respecting your elders and respecting your mother, respecting other viewpoints. So I really drive that home. And then when we get to the responsibility, you know, that covers a wide range of things, making sure your room's clean when it was coming up, making sure that you own up to your responsibility, make sure you honor your word, make sure that you 
handle your responsibilities in school. You do your homework because all these things are transmitted to life society. Being on time, life requires responsibility. And so I really drive that home about don't make excuses. My sons know I hate excuses. You know, if you fail, if you falter, own up to it. People will respect you more when you own up to your thoughts. And so if you handle your responsibility and teach them responsibility from the time that they are a child, that will begin to transmit into life because life centers around the home. And then I go into a big example. A lot of times we preach to our children. We say to them, do as I say, not as I do. No, we have to be an example. We have to be an example to our children. We have to be an example in, in our conversations. We must be an example of how we live, how we approach them. You can't tell kids don't lie and then tell them to lie for you. That don't make sense to me. How can they honor you and respect you if you're not leading by example? Exactly. And so being that role model, being that example is very, very key because it leaves an impression on the children, on your sons or your daughters, that you believe in your convictions, you believe in what you stand for, you're willing to die for them. You have certain principles and values that you live by, and you're willing to be an example in every area of your life. And that's including finances. You know, a lot of times we don't worry about finances. Till we get older, we should make large mistakes. I think the one acronym, the one wording is affirmation. This was probably the biggest for me. This is, I literally cried when I wrote this because every child seeks to be affirmed or confirmed or valued by the person that loves them, their parents or their father, you know? And one of the things that I've learned in my personal life that I was never affirmed. Nobody could tell you that they're proud of you. Nobody could say, you know, you're doing a good job. It was like we were out there on our own. We did things. We were very independent. And so children live for a sense of being affirmed, not being taken advantage of, not being abused, not being misused, not being mistreated. Affirmation has everything to do with pushing, valuing, loving, pointing them in the right direction, correcting them as well when they need correction. Affirmation was big for me because that is something that I was seeking. So I do that with my children all the time, even though they grow on. You know, I may send them a text and I'm proud of you. You know, how far you got, proud of you finished this project, proud of how you're doing your family. So affirmation is very key. And a lot of children are missing that. They don't have anybody to speak into their lives with real, authentic love. It's not manipulated. It's not intimidation. It's not bullying. Somebody who's really, really concerned about their life, their future, their aspirations. So that affirmation piece was really a key point for me when I was 40. And even old 40, I always wanted somebody to say, I'm proud of you. You're doing good. And I never had that. The last two had to do with this decisions and serving. So decisions is basically let children know that life consists of a series of decisions. And I tell my children all the time that for every decision that you make, there's a consequence or there's reward. So you have to be willing to understand that when you make important decisions, don't make important decisions in a vacuum. Decisions will affect your life. So you have to be skilled enough. You have to surround yourself with a support system, surround yourself with people that you know love and care about you. If you want to make a decision or trying to make a decision or you're between the decision, talk to somebody, get a group around you where they can ask important questions because we know that one decision can affect the trajectory of your life. The last thing is about serving, giving back. Life doesn't sit around you and your family. No, you have to be willing to give back to others. You must be willing to sacrifice for others. You must be willing to make a difference in somebody's life. And everything in terms of the acronyms, I try to center my life around being transparent, being honorable, being responsible, being an example, affirming them, making right decisions, and teaching them what it means to serve others. And it's so easy to remember because of the acronym, and the acronym itself is so meaningful. I look at it as kind of a roadmap. And it's very, very basic so that we're not confused when we lose our way or 
we get distracted by life. You know, things happen so quickly. We're living life and moving forward. And then we forget to kind of take a step back and reflect. It helps guide us and remind us of what is important. Yes. And I tell you that I try to be an example. Years ago, we had a guy who used to come by the house. We call him Red Hat. It's in the book. And Red Hat, he lived with his sister, but he's come down to the house and get, you know, returnable bottles from our house. And so one day he came on Thanksgiving Day. My house was jam packed. They had family, friends over at the house. And it was you know, a real small house. And we just was enjoying ourselves. And Red Hat knocked on my door. He came at a time looking for bottles. I didn't really have any bottles, but I was busy with family and friends. And I told him to come back tomorrow. Well, he walked off the porch and he was headed back down to the street. And something in me said, invite him in to eat with your family. So I ran down the street and I said, listen, park your car, come back to the house. And I want you to come enjoy my family on Thanksgiving. So he came in the house, he washed his hands. And my wife fixed him with this great plate. And he was crying at the table, sitting at the dinner table, my seat with my family. And he was crying. I felt good because I showed with my sons and my family that life doesn't center around you. We can sit here, we can enjoy Thanksgiving, the turkey, the dressing, the cranberry sauce, the potato sauce, whatever. But the fact that we took the time out to invite somebody in the house that was in the cold, nose running to enjoy a family dinner with my family, that made my day. And my wife, my sons, my daughter, my family all saw that. And he enjoyed it. So these things have to do with just really being an example to them, to your family, to your children about what it means to be a whole person. So the five smooth stones has everything to do with me still shaping them into these young men. And I'm still parenting. My oldest son is 33, so I'm still parenting. <laughs> That's forever, right? <laughs> yes, forever. So I'm still shaping them. We're still going through a lot of things. I have two sons that are married and trying to coach them on things they need to do right and correction and whatever. That's pretty much what the book is really all about. And the example you just shared has two of the elements, which is example and serving. You set the example for your family when you invited him into your home, but you also reminded them that it's not just about you and being grateful, but it's also about sharing with other people. People give us all this information that's so complicated. We can't keep up with it. We don't understand it. And the way you set it up, it just simplifies everything and reminds us that there are steps that we can take to be better humans. I do believe, Rick, that we are evolving every day. We're trying to be better versions of ourselves. Maybe we don't in some areas, but we improve in others. But at the end of the day, we're always growing and moving forward. I would love it if you could share with our listeners how they can get a hold of your book and learn more about you and your family. Thank you very much, Marissa, for this opportunity. I wanted the book to be an easy read. I could have made it 200 pages. But the benefit of this book, and people are reading it, because I'm a school teacher, I'm a special education provider, and we've been giving the books out. And the kids love it because it's 120 pages or whatever, but it's an easy read. It flows. So I purposely made it an easy read where a child in a fourth, fifth grade can pick it up and read it. A 12th grader can pick it up and read it. And so we have made it an easy read. I do have a newsletter. You can go to Zulon Press and you can put in Five Smooth Stone. You can Google it and it'll come right up. And I will be sure to put a link in the show notes so people can go in there and click on it and get to the link that you provide. You put five smooth stones, spelled out F-I-V-E, smooth stones, and you can put the rebirth. Everything will come up at Zulon Present. If you purchase directly from Zulon, that benefits us. What we're trying to do, we gave out close to 100 books to schools here in Detroit. And we're looking for people to kind of support us so we can give out these books free. We've been signing them. It's not preachy, whatever. We're not indoctrinating them. A lot of kids, I'm actually, my son is a fifth grade teacher. 
and they're doing a book report on the book. And the thing about it, Marissa, is kind of hitting home surreal because my son, he gave out maybe about 30 books. He said, Dad, I gave one book to a couple of students, and they were almost in tears because this is the first time that these kids ever saw a author that they know, like their faces on the book. So I said, son, they see your face on that book. This is the first time they get an opportunity to connect with a real author, even though I wrote the book. I said, the fact that your name is in the book, the fact that you your picture's on the book, you have now become valuable in these kids' eyes because now they see that you're a real person like them. But not only that, first time they've ever seen an author. <laughs> That's why I truly believe that we all have something to share and something to give to help others. And I'm just so glad that you took the time to write this book. A lot of us want to write a book. We have something to give. You know, it's cost prohibitive or we don't even know what the process is. You're just so fortunate that you had that opportunity and you took advantage of it because some people would probably get it and say, okay, yeah, someday. But you actually did something with it and came up with something that you could share with people that they may not have heard before that might help them with their lives. Rick, I'm so glad you were able to come back on the show and share this with us. Well, Marissa, I really, really, from the bottom of my heart, really appreciate you for just taking time, opportunity to allow me to be on your show today. Rick, I appreciate you too. Thank you for being here. That's a wrap for this episode of Live Blissed Out. Thanks to Rick Sykes for joining us and thanks for listening. If you have a question or comment for a future episode, all you have to do is go to speakpipe.com forward slash L-B-O-V-M or click the link in the show notes to leave a brief audio message. If you find value in our show, please visit liveblissedout.com to reach out, subscribe, and share on social media. This show is made possible through listeners like you. Thank you. So long for now, and remember to keep moving forward.